You are listening to Epic Church San Francisco's podcast. Good evening. Good evening. How are you guys? I'm not texting anyone. I'm just setting up my timer. Make sure you guys get out early or on time. You guys doing okay? All right. How many of you guys have been enjoying the beautiful weather the past couple of days? Yeah, right? It's been awesome. We needed it. It was a little chilly the week before. But um, one thing that my wife and I love about the city, uh, moving here from Florida, is that on a nice day, you see so many people out and about. On a beautiful day in San Francisco, I mean, people are everywhere. In Florida, that's not the case. In Florida, if you are outside, you're at the beach. If you want to be outside, you're going to be at the beach. I mean, if you are driving through the streets, it is rare that you will find a soul walking. I mean, it's like winning the lottery. It, it doesn't happen often. And even when you see someone, you look at them like they're crazy. Because it's 90 degree weather and it's 100% humidity. Because of that, I also think there's a lack of avid runners in Florida. You don't see anyone running around. San Francisco, not so much. People are running everywhere. I mean, going home after the uh, 11 o'clock service, we went through the marina. I mean, it just looked like a maze of people running back and forth and crossing each other. People run everywhere. Now, help me with this. I'm going to take a poll. How many of you enjoy running, do it every so often, and could possibly run a 10K tomorrow morning if you wanted to? Look at that. That's about 30 40%. In Florida, it would probably be one person. I mean, and they probably do it on the treadmill. They wouldn't do it outside. Isn't that crazy? Now, for those of us who don't run, including myself, how many of you guys believe that you can run a 10K if challenged? What about a half marathon? Ah, uh, no, right? By the third mile, we'd be done, right? We'd pass out, be over. I mean, we would need life support at that point. We wouldn't even try, though, right? We wouldn't even dare to start running a 10K. Why? Because we, we understand a principle that we are unable to tackle challenges that we are unprepared or unequipped for. That is a principle that we all understand. We are unable to tackle challenges that we are unprepared or unequipped for. That's why you and I would never go and try to run a marathon unless we knew we could do it and unless we had trained. I believe our spiritual life is the same way. I believe our spiritual life is the same way. I believe a life of morality, a life worth living, a life where you do what you set out to do works in the same way. You are unable to reach goals, to tackle challenges, unless you're prepared. If you prepare, you can run a marathon. And I believe if you prepare in a certain way, spiritually, you can tackle the challenges that come your way, and you can reach the goals that you set for your life. We all know this to be true. Let me ask you another question. How many of you recently joined the gym or started exercising or started a diet in the past couple of weeks since the new year came around? Anyone? It's okay. You can, no need to be ashamed. Here's the unfortunate part. Statistically, it says that one out of five, only one out of five will make it to the end of the year and achieve their goal. 
only one out of five. Why? Because good intentions isn't enough. Having good intentions to run a marathon when you're not prepared isn't enough. Having good intentions to want to change your life, to break certain habits that you've had, isn't enough. It takes more. It takes something deeper. It takes for us to prepare. And that's what I want to talk today about. We've been talking these past couple of weeks on this Reset series. Pastor Ben has been preaching on making the best use of our time. He's been talking about serving. He's been talking about giving. And, and we've had a great response from people who, were, who have been challenged and said, yes, I, I, I want to start doing and, and I want you guys to help me. And if that's true of you and if you want to begin to orient your life around Jesus, if you want to begin to live the life that he has called us to live, if you want to begin to love others and to be kind and you want to begin to give and to serve, it's going to take training and preparation and discipline on your part to be able to allow God to do something in us for that to happen. And we're going to study that today. We're going to look at the Bible, see what it says regarding the spiritual disciplines. Because it is through the disciplines that we can achieve growth, that we can achieve spiritual growth. And I'm going to basically lay out what type of life when we practice the spiritual disciplines, what type of life does that, does that produce? So if you will, turn with me to the book of Romans. We're going to start there. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We have great volunteers that will come around and hand you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible at home or looking for another copy, feel free to keep it as our gift to you. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. And if you will, um, if you don't mind standing for a moment, we're only going to stand for this verse as we read. It's not our main verse, but just one of the, the few that we will read today. You don't have to stand for any of the other verses, but it's just in honor of God's word and reverence for him. Romans 7, 15, it reads, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You may be seated. Many of us, I believe most of us, can relate to Paul in this passage. Many of us feel this way as far as our, how our spiritual life is concerned or as far as what we want to achieve in life. He's like, I don't understand my actions. I don't understand why I do what I do. For the things that I want to do, I don't do. But the very things I hate, I end up doing those things. Many of us feel this way and we become frustrated. We set New Year's resolutions and we break them. We have goals. We have, we have uh, things that we want to achieve and they just don't come to pass. Why do we feel this way? Why, why can't we relate to, to Paul? I believe part of the reason is because we haven't completely understood the process that God uses to transform our lives. We hear in church a lot about faith. Believe, believe, and, and you shall be saved, right? Believe. And part of that begins to create a, 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 a belief in us that if God wants to do something in me, he can do it. He can snap his fingers, he can touch us, and we can change in an instant. But I believe it's, it goes a little bit further than that. It's not that complex. Allow me to give you an illustration. It may be a little humorous, but it, it, it's a serious illustration. How many of you guys enjoy Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese, there you go. 
For you adults, a little bit more, more mature, there's Dave and Buster's, which is a great place, by the way. A lot of fun. But to go to Chuck E. Cheese, how much do you have to pay to get in? See who's been there recently. It's free. That's right. It's free. You get, into, you get in for free to a great place. You get to see Chuck E. You get to have some pizza. You get to have drinks. And you have all these games around you. That is free. That is how our salvation is. Our salvation is free. You cannot earn your salvation. You don't have to pay a price to receive salvation from God. It is free. It is a gift from God to us. But when you walk into Chuck E. Cheese, if you want one of those rewards that are on the board or in the case, glass case, what do you have to do? You got to pay the price. You got to pull out your wallet, get some tokens, and you got to put in some effort. You got to start playing some games. And if the bigger the reward, the more games you got to play, the more tickets that you need. Right? You guys are like, man, this guy's crazy. He's using an illustration of Chuck E. Cheese to describe heaven and what God does with us. But it's so true. Our salvation is completely free. Completely free. But in order to receive the heavenly rewards, heavenly rewards that God has for us, the blessings and the promises that he has for us, it's going to take earthly effort. In order to receive the heavenly rewards that God has for us, it will take and require earthly effort. I want us today to understand that we must take responsibility for our spiritual growth. If we are Christians, thank God for what Christ did for us, freely gave, to, gave himself for us. But if we want to live the life the life that he promises, the life that he offers of being renewed, of being a, 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 a holy nation, a royal priesthood. I mean, things you read about when you open up your Bible. If we want that life, we have to put in the work. We have to put in the effort to reap those benefits. So let's talk about the games that we need to play. All right, the spiritual disciplines that we need to practice. Then I'm going to talk about the rewards that we get, what that type of practice produces, okay? So follow me. Three things I want to talk about. Pastor Ben talked about these week one of the Reset series, but I just want to rehash them because they're so important. And these are, for, for us, foundational to our growth. The first one, prayer. This is how we communicate with God. I believe 15 minutes a day is a great starting place. I mean, if, you, if you, you're not praying at all or you pray every once in a while, 15 minutes a day that you dedicate to spending time with God in prayer. And I believe a great system that you can follow is what, what I call the ACT system. It's an acronym, A-C-T-S. And if you follow this, I believe 15 minutes will, will just be too short. I mean, because you will see yourself extending the time and needing more time as you begin to express these things to God. And here's how the act system works. The first one, A, adoration. It's basically what we did here the first 20 minutes as we worship God. We adored him. We praised him. We lifted him up. We say, God, you are wonderful, majestic, great. We, we, we stand before a sunset and we say, God, this is beautiful. You created all these things. We are adoring him. We are worshiping him. And we're giving him the praise that he deserves. The second letter, C, confession. 
It's just us looking back at our day, us looking back at what we did yesterday and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for I messed up. I've sinned. I haven't been treating my spouse the way I, I, I should be treating her. I've lied. I've cheated. Whatever it is, it's you confessing your sins to the one that can forgive you. The third one, T, thanksgiving. Expressing a heart of gratitude for what God has already given us. I believe if we begin to show gratitude for what we already have, our perspective on many things will begin to change. If we begin to thank God for our spouse. If we begin to thank God for our job, we won't walk into our job hating it and hating the fact that we need to be there. But we're thankful that we have a job and completely changes our perspective. The last one, S, supplication. It's just us making a request, a, a, a plea before God for our needs. Most of us begin and end with supplication. That's sometimes all we know how to do, but it, it, it's a part of it, but it's one part of it. It doesn't make up all, our entire time of prayer. But God wants to hear your needs, and he wants to provide for your needs. I really believe that. Now, if you're not a believer and you're like, man, how does this, I came on the wrong night talking about spiritual disciplines for Christians. Listen. I remember not being a Christian. I, 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 didn't, I didn't turn to Christ, give my life to Christ until I was 18. I remember those days before that. When I was in a mess, no one could help me. I was on my knees. I had no idea what I was doing, but I just needed help from a higher power. No, no human could help me because I was in trouble. Whatever the situation was, and in all honesty, even today, when... I need my faith reassured. I think back at some of those moments where I, I saw God come through. So do you need to be a Christian to pray? I don't think so. I wasn't. And I, I could see God moving and it build my faith in him. The second game that we can play, the second spiritual discipline that we can practice, reading the scripture. This is how we learn God's character and how he has interacted with humanity throughout history. Now, did you know that if you read about 15 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in one year? Just 15 minutes a day. So we've talked about prayer 15 minutes, reading another 15 minutes, which is about four chapters in the Bible. So half an hour. And 15 minutes a day of reading, I could read through the entire Bible in one year. Pastor Ben a couple weeks ago mentioned the uh, version app. Because of technology, we can take our Bibles everywhere, anywhere. This is a great app. I mean, this app, you can do um, reading plans. You can set it up. It'll send you emails, reminders. Hey, you haven't read it in a while. Do you want to catch up? If you've been reading it, it encourages you. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what they've created. On the screen, you'll probably see that it's titled lifechurch.tv because when you're searching for the app, there's nowhere on there that, that says version. But if you search under lifechurch.tv, you download it. It's the very same app he mentioned. It's a great app. 15 minutes a day. What a difference it would make. Again, for those of you who are just still trying to figure out this whole Christian thing, some of us may say, well, well guess what? I don't believe the Bible is true, so I'm not going to read it. In reality, many of the things that we read, we don't believe that they are true, but we read them anyway. Right? We don't believe that they're true. You don't read something because you believe it's true. You read it to assess and make a judgment call on whether or not it is true. So I encourage you, I challenge you to read it. And if you've read through it, 
and you still feel this is not true, there's no way, that's fine. We can, we can work something else out. All right, so prayer, reading. The third thing I want to talk about, community. Austin and Lindsay did a great job on basically describing this. This is how we experience God in community. God throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, he made covenants, he made promises to groups of people, to nations. And in the New Testament, sometimes we read it because we see the word you a lot. But the problem is that the word you really should be translated as you all. I mean, that, that would be a weird translation or y'all, you know, you've seen th those phrases throughout the entire Bible. But God is speaking to groups of people. God is speaking to communities. And the blessings and the promises that he's making, he's speaking to groups of people, not just to individuals. So the prayer and the reading, we bring that into the community as well. And it just enhances our, our, our experience of God. And it's a great way to know God and to experience God through the lives of other people. So here we are, 15 minutes of prayer, 15 minutes of reading, and one day a week. We have 12 different options, it, uh, many of them here in Soma, different parts. We're leading one in, in, in Marin County. There's one in Potrero, one in the Marina. 12 different options. Just committing one day a week to live life in community. These are the games. These are the spiritual disciplines that I believe if you begin to practice them, what a difference it will make in your world. What a difference it will make in your life. A huge difference. There are other disciplines, fasting, meditation, celebration. Fasting is the, is the one we get a lot of questions on. But in all honesty, if you're not praying and reading, there's no point on fasting. You're just on a diet. I mean, seriously, it, it, there's no point. So get these down. If you get these down, then you can move on to others. And there's resources. If you want to move on to others, if there, uh, there's two books I want to recommend. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Great book, classic. The other one is The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Classic. If you want the names again, because I'm going too fast in this section, just ask me afterwards. I'll give you those names. And there's videos that we did in September on the spiritual disciplines. Shauna Pilgreen and myself, we did a 2.0 experience. Those videos are on our website, and we go a little bit deeper into the spiritual disciplines. I pretty much uh, share the why of why we should practice them, and I'm kind of also doing that today. And then she comes and basically shares her own experience on how she practices. So it's a great video. I recommend that you check it out. So we've talked about the games we should play, the spiritual disciplines that we should practice. Now we're going to talk about the rewards that we earn, the benefits that we get. And then we're going to go through this somewhat quickly. It's not going to take too long. So the first reward, the first benefit of the spiritual discipline is that it makes the productive Christian life possible. Let me repeat that. When we practice the spiritual disciplines, when we exercise our spiritual muscle, it makes the productive Christian life possible. It makes it possible. Turn with me, if you will, or you can see it on the screen, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And it reads, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The first part is not as important, but I'll read through it just for the flow of it of it. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Here's what Paul is saying to his disciple Timothy. He's saying train 
and again, I've been saying this, train, practice the disciplines, pray, read, fast, meditate, do all these things, train for godliness. Godliness are the righteous deeds, the righteous works that God has prepared for you. Godliness is what Pastor Ben has been talking about the past three weeks on making the best use of our time, serving and giving. He's saying train for godliness. But we can't have the godliness if we're not training. Keep in mind, he's not saying God will bring you or make you godly. It is something that we must do. We have to put in effort. So train for the godliness because this godliness is of great value, he says. It is of great value. Some of you are not sure, looking at me like, what's he talking about? God is the one that does the transformation in our lives. Through his Holy Spirit that he, that he pours out on us, in us, he does the transformation. At the heart of this entire issue, though, is faith. Do we take God at his word? Do we take God at his word? Let me give you an illustration. The other day, our new kids director, Praise, walks into the office, and someone asks, hey, Praise, is it raining outside yet? She said, no. She said, but I have my rain boots on, so it probably won't rain. Everyone was expecting it to rain. Now, she was joking, of course, because I don't, I don't think she was trying to, you know, do some reverse psychology on the rain by wearing her rain boots. She wore her rain boots for a reason, right? Just like any of you. You wear rain boots, you grab an umbrella. Why? You're expecting something. You're expecting something. Why are you expecting that one thing? Because either a weatherman, a meteorologist, your Yahoo weather app told you that it was going to rain. And guess what? You took them at their word. So your faith, your assurance, which in Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is the substance of things not, not, pull it up, I'm sorry. I need to, faith is the assurance of things not known or, and the conviction of things not yet seen. Now faith is, of the, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Your faith gave you assurance, it gave you a certainty that what was going to take place, that what you were told is actually going to take place. Another version translates that word's conviction as evidence. Because you believed on that word, evidence was shown. Not just, not just you were, were able to see, others were able to see. So you put on your rebels, you grabbed your umbrella. If we take God at his word, that he will change us, he will transform us, he will do something in us, he will break the habits that we've been dealing with for a long time. If we take him at his word, the evidence should be by us practicing the spiritual disciplines, by us praying, by us reading the scriptures, by us gathering in community. Training for godliness. Training for godliness. That is what Paul is trying to get through to his young disciples. So the first thing that it does, it makes the Christian life, the productive Christian life possible. The second thing that it does, it makes the inner life super enjoyable. It makes the inner life super enjoyable. 
Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit that God pours into us to work in us. This is the fruit that that Spirit produces. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. What, is, what are some of your favorite fruits? What's your favorite fruit? Anyone? Banana. All right. Describe to me a banana. Yellow. Mushy. Sweet. Okay, perfect. Can you describe banana in one word? No. It's different. It has different characteristics. But it's one fruit coming from one tree. In the same way, Paul here is saying, when the Spirit of God comes upon you and is working in you, there's a fruit that is, that, that, that is harvested. And that fruit has different characteristics. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Can you imagine if those were the characteristics of our lives? I mean, everything around us would change. Our relationship with God would be in, at a completely different level. Our relationships with one another would be at a different level, with our spouse, with our coworkers. If these things truly described us, if the Spirit of God was actually allowed to work in us and bear that kind of fruit. If you're already bearing this kind of fruit, You can ignore everything I just said. If you're doing it your way and it's working for you and you have that kind of fruit, you can ignore it. But I challenge you, if not, begin to sow the right kind of seed. Begin to do the right kind of things. And I believe you'll see some fruit in your life that will bring much reward, much gain to you and to those around you. So I'm, I'm just going to close up, and I just really want to leave you with this. We have two options. Keep living life as we've been living it. Keep reaping the same type of results based on what we're doing. Or we can train for godliness. We can try something else. Try God's way. And let's see what he does with it. That's my challenge for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and all that you do. You're wonderful and amazing. And uh, Lord, we, we know that our salvation is free, but the work you're doing in us, it's a process. Lord, you're sanctifying us. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's intentional. Our growth is intentional. It's not accidental. And I just pray that we will have the courage, Lord, to seek you, seek after you, and, and that we will begin to see fruit being harvested, Lord, from this but that we would put in the work, put in the effort, Lord, because your promises are true, you are faithful, and you will do as you have spoken. We thank you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.